African traditional religions. I'm Ife. Hi everyone, this is Amayo. Hey everyone, this is Ifeyua. Hey guys, this is Onyeka, aka Yekao. So at, at the moment, um, the religion practices or the division or the percentages of people who practice traditional African religions, um, according to this interview with Jacob Olupada, is 10% of the African population are mm-hmm. traditional, um, worshippers and 40 percent are are um christian 40 percent yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm 40 percent are are muslim and what i've and what i've noticed about that percentage is still is still 10 percent missing i know (laughs) i don't i don't know i know i don't know where that where the remaining 10 percent is is um (laughs) non-religious they Um, don't believe in a religion yeah maybe they don't believe in a religion or they're buddhist or because or Hare krishna or because we do have some people who are Mm -hmm. who practice those other um, religions so my question is like how how has your culture informed your religion of Christianity for you ladies? Because what I've, what I've, what comes to mind for me is, you know, when we, like we pray in Yoruba, you know, Mm. with my grandmother, we pray in Yoruba. Then we like sing praise songs in Yoruba. And there's like this like fusion. So going back to what you said, about um, your culture playing a part in how you practice your religion because you know Mm -hmm. i don't think you like you know if you're a traditional african worshiper that's great and i don't think you you're losing or i don't think there has to be a conflict between your culture Mm -hmm. and your religion so you know Mm -hmm. like even in our names like if Olua, you know the naming of like the olua there like if i lived centuries ago it might be you know you know there might be another god behind behind my name instead of olua so like you know olu mm. so for example olu shola it can be ogun shola or ifa shola you know so i i, I think there's this mm. there are ways in which we incorporate our culture into the our current religious practices mm-hmm. whatever they might be like ibos with the chi like the like there's mm-hmm. chukudema is I'm sure like mm-hmm. before it would be Chidema or something like there's even Chidema stuff. Abi, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, still. and yeah. like Chi yeah. in Igbo, l- ladies, can you can you take it away? I don't want to <laughs> speak for. But so- I want to stop you for one second because you said something that is you really I don't know because I guess it's an, an assumption that everybody knows what a lua means mm. because you're you're saying that and of course I know what a lua means but for your listening audience there are yes. sometimes that we just assume. Because it's your language that you know, or and that the other ladies may know. But there's, what is Oluwa? Tell. Thank, thank you, Baba. Thank you for mm-hmm. calling. So Oluwa in Yoruba is God, is the supreme being. I believe in traditional religion. There's like Olodumare is 
this is the supreme being. And I think maybe to distinguish Olodumare from, from like Christian God, we like, it's called Olua. I'm not sure how true that is. I might be totally making that up. But most people in their names, like they don't have Ife Olodumare. It's like Ife Olua. And I think maybe, maybe Olua is a con, like a constriction of Olodumare. Maybe. I'm not. It is. Oh, it is? Okay. okay. Absolutely. Oh. Go and study the history of it. Yes. <laughs> Olua, because we, we call Olua me, or Olua me is like my Lord who saves me, but it means my Lord, mm. Olua. So that's what I was, you're saying God, but really means my Lord. Mm-hmm. And so this, the idea of what Christianity uses, they say my Lord. And yes. so Olua, me, even though it's talking about God, we know that it means God, but mm-hmm. it really translates my Lord. Yeah. Right. But yeah. when we're talking about Olodumari, or we're talking about Olorun, because one thing that both traditional and Christians in Yoruba will understand is Olorun, meaning mm-hmm. uh, the owner of heaven. Yes. So both will agree with that word. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like it, it just goes back to the like fusion of how our culture like is, how, mm-hmm. how our religion, how we practice our religions is influenced by our culture. Um, ladies, if anyone um, and Yeka and Amaya, do you? Yeah. And I just wanted to also reference, this is if anyone reference to the um, article in, um, Harvard uh, Gazette. That was actually a really great interview, although the title is a little uh-huh. off-putting. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but he did. He does identify as Christian, but he does say that um, that he's able to what he's able to balance his Christian and traditional African identity. Um, and you know, just going back to what you said, Ife, but like. There's that fusion, and he's able to do that by not opposing and speaking out against African culture, as long as it doesn't directly influence, di- directly conflict with his Christian beliefs. So it's mm. it goes back to like our point that, and Onyeka said this: that just because I'm Christian, it doesn't invalidate my identity as an Igbo woman, as mm. an African, as a Nigerian, and so on and so forth. But I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Um. And going off of Yeka over here, I feel like I've done a bad job introducing myself. Um. So if I ask a question about the Igbo um, Chichuku situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Chuku is like the supreme god. And then... Christian god? Huh? Christian god? Supreme. Um, Christian god, traditional god. Chuku is like the god. And then there's Chi. And I guess different different houses have their own Chi. Mm. So, or different um, regions have their own cheese. So what are cheese? Can you what? tell us more about what cheese are? Um, so chi would kind of be like, I, I guess the sub god, the like not necessarily maybe god. messenger. Yeah, like a personal. Yeah, like your your personal god. Co- correct me if I'm wrong. If anyone, Onyeka. So chi is like I want to equate it to Yoruba Orishas. Are they similar? Orish. Are they like deities or are they like your ancestors? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. Yeah, I don't I don't know if yeah, I that would I cannot yeah, expressly yeah, answer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I can expressly answer, but I I want to go out on a limb and say that they might be not necessarily deities. Um what was the other option? Uh I think or um, um, deities or ancestors. <laughs> yeah. So, like, are they? Yeah. 
Yeah, I I I think I might be leaning more towards ancestors, but I I can ask my dad and get back to you guys. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, I think <laughs> so just answer. Me, well, I and as like I want to say that like your and I forget if it's the same equivalent as Orisha, but she the way I've always understood is like everybody has their personal and it's almost like your guardian angel, but I don't mm. really know what that means in she terms but you have your own personal chi that is not shared with other people so i don't know if it can be equated with orisha it can be it can be first of all it can can, because what it is your chi and uh, you know from what i've studied in history and just uh, and again it's not Mm -hmm. i'm not I'm not really an expert, but I do understand enough mm-hmm. about it that to tell you that it is the similar, it's almost the same thing like Orisha. Your chi is represented by uh, an answer. See, Oshango is a, is a divine, divinity, or, or, or Moremi is a, uh, or, or, or Duduwa. They were actual people. Mm-hmm. So there is, the, so these, the difference is that the gods become, or the, the ancestors, the ancestral energies can reach divinity. You are correct in saying both. So your question is really twofold. It's it, it's not one or the other. It's actually both. They both mm-hmm. are. The, some of the cheese are ancestral, and there there's a sense of what we call in in Yoruba they call irumole, and they're called agbamole or the igbamole, which are two different categories of whether they are divinities that were lived on earth or divinities which neither never lived on earth. Mm-hmm. You know this idea that divinity came to the earth. And then was deified. And there's other sense of when they've never come to the earth. And these deities are what they called, they were outside of the realm of the proximity, which were, they were always around. They were here before man even existed. Mm-hmm. So there's this sense, like Ogun is a, a primordial. So there's an idea of a primordial deity versus a, a divinity that has actually has come and lived a life. And we have a record of their life. Mm-hmm. And we can track, you know, uh, of sense of when they were deified and you know, so the, so yeah. in the chi is the same thing. There are very, very few differences. I mean, there are they're so similar. Yeah. They practice in the beliefs of traditional uh, of uh, traditional Igbo and the, and the traditional Yoruba. There are slight differences, but there are. I mean, they're they they're so they're more similar than dissimilar. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that struck me when I was researching this is how similar. Even though, like, I centuries ago i don't know if like the urban Igbo really had that much interaction you know before english became a language that we all spoke um how the religions had so many similarities even with without necessarily the a language that we all spoke does that make sense how you know there are parallels between all the different traditional religions anyway moving on to um Speaking of parallels in religion, uh, there are versions or iterations of mm-hmm. Yoruba traditional religion in the diaspora. And Baba Ifakule, um, what do you know about the practice of Yoruba traditional, like the differences between how Yoruba traditional religion is practiced in, on the African continent and how it compares to practice outside Africa? So, for example, Brazil, they have the Kodomble and um, in Cuba, the Lusimi. What do you know about Lukumi? Lukumi. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Brazil. I've been to, been to Trinidad and Tobago, which is sometimes left out in, in terms of, um, you know, Haitian or Haitian voodoo should also be 
in, included in the equation, a very, very, very elaborate sense that if you get to take a look at it and you and study the history of, of what they did there, um, it's very, very um, purely, purely connects you back to the Yoruba. Um, the Lukumi, or the tradition of, of what they call Santaria, which was the hiding of the of the um, African div divinities in, mm -hmm. in the synchronism, which this word, quote-unquote, synchronism, uh, trying to synchronize um, uh, the, their their what they call pagan gods with mm -hmm. the idea of their okay. saints. You know, yeah. they, one is called pagan, one's called saints, which is, you know, which we are, you know, going to be. But let's just say Orisha, which they uh, synchronize with the um, the uh, Catholic saints. In order to be able to survive their traditions, the Condomble is very, very similar to uh, traditional African practices in certain ways. Of course, there are certain uh, variations certain words that they use that you would identify and you will see that they remembered. And there's other words that you will see that they said people have mispronounced the word so long and so bad for so long that they don't even recognize the word even if they heard it in, in, in proper Yoruba uh, sense. And the idea of that the, the languages, uh, particularly in Yoruba, even there are certain things in Yoruba which are, one, they're, they're, they're regional. They're regional um, differences uh, to, to how Yoruba is being spoken. So those regional differences is very even regional differences in how the Orisha are being practiced throughout the diaspora. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in Cuba, in Cuba, they have a very, very structured sense. They were allowed to practice. They were allowed to continue to, do, to, to develop the bata drum. They, they used and, um, you know, um, and developed the bata drum in such a way. They play bata very well for people in the diaspora. Mm -hmm. They can't compare to what is being played in Nigeria. But they, they know the drum, and they have exposed the world to the drum, to the bata drum. The talking drum is not did not survive the Middle Passage in Condomble. And really, the music is where you have to really study the ethnomusicology of the people, because the rhythms that were you know beaten out of the uh, beaten out of the people could not be taken down to the place where they would disappear, because the rhythm that you hear in um, in the Congo. And uh, you hear them in Haiti, the same type of rhythm that you hear uh, if you hate, listen to Haitian music, you could identify it as being something very similar to High Life. You can mm -hmm. see the, the similarities. Mm -hmm. And the music is where you're going to see the most synchronicity of all things. In jazz music, you see the symphonies. I was in, in, in the Ifa ceremony in Nigeria, and I would, could hear the bell patterns that they were playing were the same bell patterns that are heard in jazz music, mm -hmm. you know, and it was just those things. You have to be able to identify those things. Like you said, you start to wondering and then you start to realizing this town is called after a God. I didn't even realize it. And if you begin to realize that you have never really left your tradition, your traditions are still there with you. They're embedded inside of you. Those rhythms, those, um, those motions, that, energy that makes you inherently African could never be taken out because those things are through your blood. It's inside your DNA and it's something that reverberates throughout your uh, your being and it's involuntary. You can't you can resist it. It's by a force greater than yourself. So in the diaspora, there's a, there's a resurgence of people who are reclaiming their African roots. That's our next question. <laughs> So they're going back. You have uh, there's this mass exodus of people from Brazil going back 
to Nigeria. There's this mass exodus of people coming from the United States. And it, I was part of the first wave of people that started to go to, to Africa, to, to Nigeria, for the purpose of being uh, reintroduced to the, what they call the mystery schools of Africa. And so uh, we start to go, there's an exodus from Trinidad and Tobago. There's an importation of Africans that are now going to Trinidad. There's an importation of Africans that are going to Cuba. We have them in Cuba. We have them in, in, in Jamaica now. People are from Africa, Nigeria specifically, who are going and they're trying to go there to set up their, their shrines. They're setting up uh, things. And so this idea of this, this, this whole energy about wanting to know about their African past. Yeah. And you go, to a, you go to a place in Jamaica. There's a place in Jamaica called Abiyakuta. <laughs> and those people can actually, uh, you know, know uh, that they were from there. There's yeah. a music. In, in Jamaica, where I'm going to Jamaica in a couple of days, they have what they call dead yard. And they say that it's directly related to the Congolese practices and the Congolese people that were brought to, to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And they have interacted those traditions with some of what they call the Taino's practices, which are the native practices. And that's what you see in Brazil. Brazil, you see uh, uh, this, this idea of fusion between native practice, Christianity, you see the same thing in, in Cuba. There's, there's the, the native practice, the Christianity. You see this whole fusion, this whole thing that then it starts to developing and it doesn't become recognizable other than maybe some names. Mm. But this whole fusion has gone on uh, throughout the diaspora. And yeah. so this resurgence and people are looking, looking and wondering what, did, what was there before. And the people who are now practicing traditional religion in one day, you are not going to be recognizing them as African because you'll see them as, as their white skin. They are <laughs> curly head. They're speaking Yoruba. I know one man who, if by all, all practice, by all sakes, he's a white man. But his, his, his lineage, his lineage takes him back to Puerto Rico. If you see his skin, you see his face, you would not be able to believe that he speaks Yoruba fluently. And he cracks jokes in Yoruba, and the people are like just amazed, you see. But what happens is the people in diaspora are now influencing uh, people, or even influencing this conversation. The only yeah. reason we're having this conversation <laughs> is because the people in the, in the diaspora are saying, look, I want to know where, what are my African roots. In our religion, in diaspora, it's a, it's a commendable move by practitioners of Yoruba religion to network and make sure that the, the message of Ifa and Orumila is widespread. The message of truth, the message of man's relationship with nature is well received worldwide. You see, in the diaspora, what could have caused um, um, the widespread? I think um, it depends on the potency of uh, Ifa. Diverse um, religious models has different potency level, and I can assure you that Ifa religion has a high degree of potency, which many, even many world leaders, can attest to. It can be proven if uh, you decide to to question that uh, assertion beyond 
number of ballot races. In Cuba, during the July 26th movement, even Fidel Castro himself came to Nigeria for spiritual protections. And we have pictures to prove that. Unfortunately, it is not something that uh, would be said anyhow or in broad daylight or whatever, what have you. But I must confess to you that the Cuban people were able to, to trace the origin of Ifa to Yoruba land. They came to Yoruba land. Even, uh, as I speak with you, we have about uh, three Cubans, uh, four Venezuelans, and uh, three Spanish guys in uh, in my place here in Alagogo, studying Ifa, who came all the way from their countries to study Ifa religion. And that's to show you that um, they have actually had the gospel of Ifa far and wide, and they felt the need to come down to the root of where and how they can understand Ifa in its nitty-gritty. And it still boils down to truthfulness and test of time. Ifa has been tested with time. Ifa has been tested with all the elements of nature. And Ifa has proved to be, to be real, to be to be um, potent and to be the way. Yeah. So one of the, so another quote from the interview is that um, Jacob Olupada says the pluralistic nature of African traditional religion is one of the reasons for its success in the diaspora. African spirituality has always been able to adapt to change and allow itself to absorb the wisdom and views of other religions much more than, for example, Christianity and Islam. And that's what we're seeing, I think, in the diaspora, how, you know, out of the tragedy and the horrificness of slavery, people in the diaspora were able to, you know, hold on to their, their culture and religion and kind of adapt and, and keep practicing, you know, and, and transform those religions into a whole new, like, fusion religion, which is, which is, um, which is really incredible. You're gonna, yeah. you know what's really gonna be amazing? You're gonna see on African soil, in the African continent, you're going to watch and witness, and I guarantee it's going to happen within your lifetime. You're going to start hearing songs that are sung in the diaspora, and 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 those songs are going to start being sung in 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 Africa. This what idea of this fusion, I mean that some of the the songs created in the diaspora, they mm-hmm. have been going back to Africa, and they're teaching those people those songs, and they're they're going to be singing these songs. Uh, because there's, there's this interaction between back and forth across the, across the Atlantic. And they're good, because there's this idea of, of exchange that the African is able to adapt. Yeah. This is the wonderful thing about African people. They are able to adapt from great tragedy, from great to hor- horrific situation. But they are tough people. And it's proven. They can prove it. We can prove it by, by, by mere, my existence, my existence is that through the advent of all of the atrocities that has been performed against my people, I'm still alive. Mm. I'm still breathing. Mm. I'm still here. This is the best among the best. Only the best of the best could have survived that long trip. <laughs> Only the best of the best could have survived the sickness and the illnesses. Only mm. the best of the best could have survived the, the onslaught of, 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 of maltreatment. Um, so... Going back to the reemergence of 
African traditional religion in pop culture. What are your thoughts on, you know, for example, the imagery, the Orisha imagery in, in Beyonce's Lemonade, for example, and, you know, her Grammy performance and people saying that she was channeling or what are your feelings about that? Are you, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it? Ah, anything that's going to bring identify identifying uh, a tradition and a practice that I'm worshiping and practicing and, and believing in if any way that it could be exposed popular culture see what happened culture and arts arts imitate what life mm-hmm. arts imitate life and so she is imitating the life that she's now has come to come to realize and believe that she is a child of this divinity called Oshun and what she has then done is then exposed herself to the world as this divinity, which she has claimed within her life. And she thinks she has, and I believe she has received blessings from, which is a wonderful thing. This is not new. There was, I, I, um, I love Lucy, the old, old thing, uh, from the 1950s. And it was, uh, this whole skit. I don't know if you all are familiar. I know it predates you, but, um, the, are you familiar with any of the reruns with this show called I Love Lucy? No. Okay. I've this, heard of the show, but I'm not familiar with it. Right, right, right. So this show in, it was, showed a white, uh, Cuban, a white Cuban who was singing to a, uh, Yoruba divinity on national television. And he, you can say the word Babalu to anyone in that generation, in any of the uh, generation X, or you can look at it, people in general, they know the word Babalu because Babalu Aye, he would sing to the divinity, which is an African divinity. He sung that song in the 1950s on television. Babalu Aye, Babalu, Babalu, and he used a drum. And he became, and this was a, a very, very famous and acclaimed show. We can look at somebody like Will, uh, Willie uh, Chinono. He, he refers into his songs. He talks about uh, about the, the uh, Shango and who he has these these um, bananas. He has these bananas, and he has his songs that have been about about the songs. You can look at the influence of of people like uh, you know Elena Garcia who uses in her dance company and she uses and exposes Orisha worship and practice and the colors and the, the way she organizes the colors of her costumes in yellow and white or red and white and uh, blue and white are uh, all or all in white and all of those colors in the coordination of how she exposes the colors of the divinities and the deities are related to the Yoruba, Yoruba practices as well as the National Brazilian, the, the place who the National Brazilian Dance Company are completely, completely the culture of the National Brazilian uh, Arts, who is directed by a white man, is completely Yoruba. They are speaking a broken form of Yoruba uh, that is spoken in uh, Brazil. So, um, and then the same thing goes with Cuba. When the, the national uh, people come from Cuba and the dance, and they want to show dances of Cuba and, the, and the, the, the culture of Cuba. When they show the culture of Cuba, they are showing Europe a culture. They are showing the African movements. They're using the African drums. The only musical tradition that was created in America was jazz. And that is African music. Clearly, it's a fusion 
of, of, of using European instruments to be able to expose themselves as African. Like I said, the music, you just look at the music, you will see so much of how uh, those things, the retentions, uh, is so, it's just so amazing. Just study the history and mm -hmm. look at the history of the music and you'll see these imageries. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so Beyonce is mm -hmm. part of this whole exposure of arts. As regards my thoughts on uh, emergence of uh, Orisha imagery in popular culture, uh, you see, there are many and diverse ways at which we can actually publicize our culture in the world scene. And uh, I was quite uh, intrigued. And not only that, I was happy and yet inquisitive as to why the most devout uh, Beyonce would actually decide to channel Oshun into a lemonade album. Well, I could only phantom one of two answers to my to my question, which is the fact that most of the Western, most of our Western friends and brothers actually go as far as doing a lot of research that borders on our own religious or spiritual perspective because they understand the potency of our religion, they understand the potency of our wishes and they understand the potency of our diet. So, well, the the ideology beyond behind the Beyonce's uh, lemonade album is probably to have, I feel is more of um, is more of a commercial than a message inclined ideology in the sense that she 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 intends to use that as an as an avenue to have more africans or more black people subscribe to our musical ideologies but uh, that is not an issue my take is still on the fact that my thoughts are that they are, they are positive as as much as they portray the imagery as of those orishas in whatever means they have or whatever picture they depict so Osho now is the goddess of uh, of water and then we all understand that water is uh, an important element of life so if she decides or uh, in a portraying of Osho in a lemonade album it is from a positive perspective that water has no enemy and that water is important for growth in life I, I, we ascribe and we agree that it is positive and not negative. Uh, but uh, there are, there are, there are, we agree that there are checks and balances that need to be put in place to ensure that some people or some class of people who meant no good for the Rifai religion or who uses the Rifai religion as a means of a legal survival or financial survival and who tend to, in the, in the long run, portray the religion as a very bad one, or even one, to, so to say, needs to be put in check. And as such, there are different organizations and internationally acclaimed different organizations, like uh, the Inter International Council of Religion, headed by my Amibo Luwu, person of Shola Badibupola, and many acclaimed Ifa practitioners. So the, 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 what, what can be done is to make sure that um, the right channel or research institutes are being created. 
the, the, the what we are doing to ensure that the the cultural consultants are are met on different, different colloquiums and different, different seminars. We are organizing seminars. We are organizing events. We are organizing online symposiums to make sure that the right if I preach are being consulted and not those who who keep, who keep portraying if I like and everything. Thank you, Baba. Um, Amaya, did you have a question? Yes. So I had a question very specific to um, what it is that you do. So I feel like we've been talking about like divinations and stuff. And I think that, I mean, some of us might have an idea, but for our listeners, particularly those who aren't African or who don't have African roots, um, you know, wherever they are in the States, in the UK, could you clarify what exactly, like, do you have a routine that you do in the mornings? Like, what are divinations? Like, how do they go? Do you have, like, specific prayers? Enlighten us, please. Thank you. Thank you so much for that question. Oh, my goodness. That is, uh, <laughs> right. Because, you know, as a, as a traditional practitioner, practitioner in the, in the diaspora, I, and remember, you know, these traditions are generally in hot weather places. But I'm in this cold place. We have snow on the ground. And still, in the morning, I wake up and salute my ori. And the mm -hmm. head is, the ori is a word called, or for head, or the in ori enu, our inner head, or that place where we greet early in the morning. So my first thing is to greet my ori, to greet my head, to greet the divinity that is inside of me. Before there's any other divinity, before any other blessings can be received, is my belief. And through the tradition and the way I've been trained to think that my Ori has to be able to accept those blessings. Because before any other blessings can come to a person, their head has to accept it. So my prayers are always to Orodomare. And I speak both in my broken Yoruba and my, uh, <laughs> as, uh, all I said, as I went, when I went to Nigeria, they said, ah, you try, you try, oh, oh Baba, you, you try, you try. Yeah. And that's really what it is, is that it is like Yoruba has become the same way the Hebrews speak, uh, uh, Hebrew and Arabic speak Arabic. It's become a temple language. It becomes temple language. It's not as, even though it is a spoken language, it, for me, it becomes more of a temple language mm -hmm. and a way of connecting and a way of rejecting. <laughs> so it's connecting and rejecting at the same time. It's connecting me too and also rejecting other uh, things. But as a traditional priest, my general routine is that I go and I do my practice. I pour libation. The palm kernel nuts is what I make divination with. And divination is the way that I communicate with my divine um, beings. So I make spiritual consultation and I consult the God. And I used a, a tool, which is called Opele, which has four parts. And there's an idea of a concave side and a convex side. And through the, the, the uh, use of what we call Oduifa, which is 256 Odus. And it could be very extensive. I could speak very extensively. But in the confines of time, I'll just explain mm -hmm. that it's, it's, it's light and dark. And so we are looking in patterns of light and dark. And I'm looking through the answers of the light and dark. What is going to be the, uh, the, the proceedings of my day? So I consult Ifa to find out what the day is. Using my king Ifa will rub them to make prayer. And we use Kolanat. I'll use Kolanat. And if I'm not able to use Kolanat in the diaspora, we use coconut. 
and we use coconut as a replacement of kola nut because kola nut of course is very expensive and it's not always accessible mm. and that mm. use is a fusion or a synchronism that has gone in the diaspora so yes and i i i conduct um regular classes i have a, a shrine a temple where i have regular prayer i have um you know um I do naming ceremonies. I'm going to perform a wedding on April the 9th within side of my shrine. So people come to my shrine to get married. Uh, they go, they come for invocations or blessings. I make divination, which is also accompanied with rituals. I perform, we do ritual. And rituals are so very, very big part of, of this idea of, you know, the healing, how healing goes on. There's a, there's a connection between ritual and healing. And so the I so I read that, and then I make public um, presentations and and uh, public events. Yesterday I was at African Spirituality Conference that was in um, New Jersey, which I was a part of, and I spoke there uh, about the importance of uh, traditional religion, and and that traditional religion should be a part of the world stage. And I Ernesto in 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 two thousand eight identified. Uh, the Yoruba um, and Ifa as being a living tradition worthy of being recognized throughout the world. And that was on, and the, where Pope John and a bunch of dignitaries and all the different world stage, one day Abimbola was actually present mm. in, in um, uh, Italy, in which they recognized, you know, Ifa as a, a, a verifiable religion. And, and needing to be identified because it has a body of information. But it's, it's a shame because the tradition and the traditional practice of the Igbo should have been recognized. The traditional practices mm -hmm. of those in um, uh, Fulta and some of the Benin tradition. But because the Yoruba have this very, very elaborate structure that has been able to be maintained within the diaspora, it was easy to identify and it was also easy to be maintained. And since it was being maintained in diaspora, it was recognized on the world stage uh, because it mm -hmm. has this, this whole influx. Mm -hmm. So, but my, my general thing is that you can find me on television. I have an internet site, www.fakunle.com, where people can find me. So I'm not somebody who is hiding. As a traditional priest, I am somebody who mm -hmm. I can be found, I can be talked to. I'm always being consulted uh, to come and speak, to become a part of uh, conversations, to come to talks. I'm part of the Egungu society, so I'm an Egungu priest. I have the Egunguns that I bring out. We parade them through Harlem every year. Um, Sorry, this is a thing. What does that? What does that mean, Egungu? Egungu is masquerade. It's a masquerade, yeah. So I, I bring out my masquerades. I have a total of four masquerades, and they're very, very uh, beautiful, and they dance, and I've trained people to be able to carry them, and we have mm -hmm. the men's society. I, we have a society that I work with, Deminyani, which are coming out of a southern Senegal, and so uh, I do divination with them. I, you know, I, I'm working with a, a lady, Attila. She's somebody who's... Uh, very, very steeped in a different tradition, which is called Eji, and uh, out of Southern Senegal, and she, she does rites of passage in New York City. So there is this this whole barrage of things that you can find me at, and, and among those things, I have a very normal life as well. I'm a, I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm an avid chess player. 
I love to play backgammon. I like to go play tennis. You know, so it's not like, mm -hmm. you know, you did, and I have two children. I have two grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I'm a homeowner. I'm a husband. You know, I'm all of these things that are just very, very mm -hmm. normal life. You know, it's not just, mm -hmm. oh, he's this, oh, he's this voodoo, you know. Uh-uh. Mm -hmm. I'm a normal human being. I like to have yeah. a good time. I like to play domino, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to chat, and I have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. <laughs> See, very, very normal. Yeah. Right? I'm, a, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm very, uh, you know, part of the whole fabric of the, the whole world. But mm -hmm. my practices and beliefs are traditional, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I will die that way. And it's my mm. force greater than myself that I am going to be that way. If you don't want to become practitioners of that religion, at least have some idea of what it is. It's not mm. to hate it and not to be taken by Nollywood and uh, to be having nightmares all night <laughs> about these things. Yeah. I hope yeah. that, you know, that we'll investigate what we come from and who we really are. Mm. There are a whole lot of uh, misconceptions about the uh, Ifa and the Yoruba religion as a whole. Uh, one of the most vital and um, cogent one that I would like to talk about is the fact that people uh, portray Eshu as Satan. According to Yoruba mythology, Eshu is not Satan. And I stand to be corrected. Eshu, I repeat, is not Satan. People have actually banged on the fact that in drawings in our in our history that has been written by some other people that are alien to our religion or to our to our, to our community issue has been depicted as um, the satan which the christian religion portrays so that that, that is antichrist you see in yoruba religion issue is one of the most important messenger of god who has direct access to god and every other deity on heart. So Eshu is 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 the one Yoruba has make propitiation to such that he carries out all the messages both God and man sends him to do. He, he interconnects all the deities with man and he makes sure that he delivers his messages and he helps man out of tough challenges. So Oshu is never Satan, and I repeat, and I want to make it a fact that Oshu is not Satan. So the Christians know where they find their Satans, but according to Yoruba religion, Oshu is not Satan. In fact, there are many, many Yoruba names, or many Yoruba people whose name is named after Oshu. We have Oshubiyi, Oshubende, Oshudamilare, and all that. In Yoruba religion, Oshu is one of the good messengers of God. And not a bad or Satan, as the, the the stereotyped case may be. So that is um that is that. Secondly, as regards um different misconception about the separations and different sectors of uh, uh, Babalawo, a lot of people don't also understand that. There are different sectors in the spiritual hierarchy of Yoruba religion. We have the Babalawos, whose main duty is to consult the oracle. 
and to offer sacrifice as the case may be and as the oracle might have actually um, decided we have the obonis who is the cultic the occultic angle of the powerful and occultic angle the obonis and the Oshubos of the yoruba religion we have the onishegons who are the pharmaceutical angle those who uses um, herbs to produce medicine for for the yoruba race we have the adamushe we have the awokpa and many more i as a person i'm a babalao and it is my this is my duty to consult the oracle to know the problems and the challenges facing man and situation of things as the case may be and find a solution prefer a solution so if the solution is medicinal they will need to consult Onishegun as a pharmacist to provide the required drug in case of health challenges. And if it is ritualistic, there are things that I can also do as a Babalao from a religious, uh, from, from a ritualistic angle. So my basic job as a Babalao is to consult the oracle, know the problem and prefer solution. Um, and furthermore, my favorite thing as an Ifa please is, um, is the quest and the the continued quest to always prefer solutions to the problems of life of humans. It is a thing of pride that I, as a person, I, I stand as as a consultant of the oracle to prefer solutions to the challenges that uh, that uh, try or tend to to impede the growth of human life. And I consult as an as an ifa priest and still prefer solutions. So that is one of my favorite things as an ifa priest alongside lecturing. I like lecturing as an ifa priest for devotees or fellow practitioners who intend to get more knowledge about ifa priest and religion. That's great. This is if I have a question. So so people who come to you for help, Baba, how do you so you know like like morality how do you decide who to help how do you decide whether like their cause is a is harmful to somebody else or is beneficial to somebody else like how do you decide because you know for example in christianity there is the you know love your neighbor as yourself love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul so what is the moral core or how do you because one of the reasons why people are have bad um assumptions or whatever about african traditional religion is that oh they can be used for evil you know like i'm I'm just talking about the imagery we see you know you can have an incantation that affects somebody's life somebody's children like so how do you incorporate morality and how do you decide who to help how do you decide what's a just cause how do you decide that? the idea of morality is very simple and in ifa it says iwa 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 is character it is character that we seek. It is the character that we seek. In all things, we seek character first. And there's a verse of Ifa that says that, Ifa, tell us about our moral, um, what we should do as moral, uh, morals, our morals, our, our good and righteous and righteous ways. And so in that, it tells us that character is the first thing that we seek. It's character that we seek first. So this idea of good character, good, cool character, or Iwa, Rere, you know, this idea of, of cool character, this 
idea goes to out our, us as having as being beautiful in as human beings. It's not an abstract talent. It's something that is very very formed, and you take good care. So the good care that I use to be able to use sound and judgment also dictates how my morals are going to be. Now, so I tell people, please don't be involved with. Uh, you know, a fornication or being the same way that any other minister would. That is always proper to be sound in judgment. And this goes mm -hmm. back to what I say that there's this very, very extensive thing about belief and what I believe. And one of the first things that I teach my um, students, my students all know that they believe in Ed Dumar, the owner of today, the owner of yesterday, the owner of all days to come. And they know about who are, who is a Rumila. Elerim Pin, who is the one who is second to Olo Dumari, the owner of today, the owner of medicine, the, you know how the owner of medicine is more powerful than medicine. And then who are the messengers? That Ella is a messenger of Olo Dumari. That um, Akshayda and Akoda are messengers. We're trying to keep away the negative things of our life, which we call Ajogun. The Ajogun are represented by Iku, Arun, Ofo, Arun, that that death, sickness, loss, disease, um, bad character, those things that we are, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to see premature death. So this idea of finding iray or blessings or finding blessings in our life, that we want good children, that we want money, that we want uh, victory over circumstance, conditions, and situations, that we want... Um, we want beauty to be in our lives. We want otito, truthfulness. So this is very, very structured. I have a very, very structured way of setting down the moral fabric and the, and the code by which people can follow and understand. Because coming from a place of, of Christianity or coming from this idea that people have uh, had prior, they have this need to understand how are traditional people, what are the beliefs of traditional practices? And there is a moral code, and there is there is reciprocity for evil and negative actions. I myself, hmm. I really have spent most of my work is on development of people's progress. And so when people come, I say that I always advise them to let's do things in a way that will help us to progress. Because if I send magic to you then you have the right to then send magic to me and if it we my prayer is that hand to hand shall never meet because if hand to hand shall meet the whole world should end you know if this idea of we maintain conflict if somebody sends magic to me i said look let's clean it off of me and let's send it somewhere so that it could be re uh, organized and re uh, vitalized as light energy in the world so that it could increase more light in the world. I'd rather be able to be a sidestepper. You know, there's a, a, a word called Aikido. In the, there's a martial art called Aikido. It uses the forces of other people and directs it in one way and sends it out. So they don't ever go directly like karate. Karate is a force. You go force against force. But in Aikido, we misdirect the energy in a, a way that it goes past us. So I don't have to, I don't have to engage with it. And so my practice is, my thought and my moral conviction is to be able to be more in the way 
of a warrior that is being able to direct good and positive energy. And those negative energies are directed. I just misdirect them out of my way. I direct them not to be able to be a target. You understand? So this is the thing, you know. When in, the, in the, there's an Odu of Ifa that's called Oyeku Osa. And in that Odu, it always tells us about an elder who hides himself in wickedness and his heart in deception. It makes people, he or she, uh, you know, this doesn't make them righteous. So no matter how long it takes, retribution shall catch up with them. Mm-hmm. And it directly or indirectly. And that's an Odu of Ifa. And there's an African proverb in what we call Oyeku Osa. So that means that, you know, if you hide behind this wickedness, this deception is going to catch up to you. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's our belief. We know no matter how long it takes, retribution is sure. And it will catch up to mm-hmm. you directly or indirectly. Thank you, Baba. Uh, what informs my morality as an Ifa, please? You see, from the study of all the religions all over the world, you would agree with me that uh, there are basically some few things that all religions has in general and which everybody has to, to, to practice. Every religion preaches love and uh, life after death. That there is life, once you die, you are, are going to continue another life immediately. In Ifa religion, true, love is, is a vital principle. So as an Ifa priest or as an Ifa uh, religious uh, practitioner, it is important that love as a basic commandment of modern nature is well followed and ad- adhered to. So it is, so it is, it is, Immoral for you to out to, for you to hate a fellow man uh, for no just reason. So, in line with every other religious um, moral moral concept, it is it is a concept of nature as a whole. It's a general co- moral concept, irrespective of whichever religion we practice. Love your neighbor as yourself is a universal principle, and. Um, Watch out for your neighbor. Be truthful. If I preaches love and truth, so we we have a clamp down on those who lie. In fact, if if I in one of the in one of the verses of if I if I is seen as Alinulo Deolumoroko, which means that if I is the seer, is the great seer who sees beyond man. So there is no form of lie you can actually pay to before if I. So we are trained or we are, we are, it is, it is lawful for us to be truthful in our dealings with our fellow man and to love our fellow man as ourselves. What I do outside being an Ifa priest that I enjoy doing is basically traveling, visiting new places, reading for research purpose and uh, meeting new people. And those are the things I do and I enjoy doing. And ladies, do you have any questions? No, I think we covered a lot. <laughs> Either I've done a good job or I've confused you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think you've given us, thank you for joining us. I think you, for personally for me, you've just given me a lot to think about and process. 
Yeah, because like you said, like most of, and I love that you touched on the fact that, you know, you have a life outside, like you're a normal person and you do normal things. Because like I said, like my introduction to like DBIs and Babalawas has been through Nollywood, like we said earlier, and all those things have been, as, has been as though they were practiced under the cover of night, like you know, it's done in secrets. You know, you go to them at nighttime, and they only practice at mm. night. And, and primarily for evil. Deep in the bush. Yeah, meant for evil. So, yeah. So I just appreciate you. I appreciated you like fleshing out your identity and being like, oh, there are other parts of me too. I'm a father. I have kids. I do all these other things. So, it's been really good for me, um, just to have this conversation. Yes, I have a beautiful wife, and I'm very <laughs> proud of my sons. I have students who I'm very proud of, very proud mm. of my students and my and my godchildren, who are mainly our PhD. If you you would be surprised to find how many people under my tutelage and under my advice that have PhD degrees, uh, PhD degrees, mm-hmm. high de- higher form of degrees, because this. Yeah, so this idea of people who are, you know, that they are, it's just local bush, you know. No, no, no. Yeah. Educated, educated people. Like I said, and, and you, you're talking about, um, Jacob or Lupona, mm-hmm. who my, my own student, Funlayo, he would, is directly, um, that is her advisor at Harvard University. And she was my mm-hmm. student. And she was, the reason she got to Harvard was specifically through a divination that we performed because she was looking at Every school but Harvard. And she didn't want to go for that school. And through divination and the ancestors said, look, you need to be looking at Harvard. She says, oh, no, I could never make it there. And the interesting thing, the journey of her life has been extraordinary just because of divination. That divination guided her and has taken her around the world. And she's about to graduate from Harvard University. And that is mm. a real, a true testimony. And she's an Ianifa. And she's an Oshun priest, an Obatala priestess. She is very, very steeped in taking people to Nigeria. And this idea of the people who I work with, Atila Khadija, who is a very fabulous, she used to sing professionally with uh, Luther Vandross and all of these very famous uh, songs. She is mm. a practitioner of traditional religion. And she is a yeah. believer in prayer. She believes in in in, in petri- uh, re uh, getting the people to come together to to worship, to believe in traditional ways, and to become uh, exposed to these things. And you be exposed to these people, and you would say they have so they love to play. They both love to play games. They love to talk mm. trash. They like to you know have a good time. <laughs> they want to dance. Very, very yeah. normal. We are very normal people. We're not, it's not yeah. something that you will find. And they have high degrees. You know, they are, they're, yeah. they're, they're educated. These are educated people. Even myself. Yeah. It's very clear that we have been educated. We're not, we're educated people who are, so we have made this decision mm. very, very, um, yeah. clear, clear. Yeah, this is the thing. And actually, even adding to that, I know there are some people who are atheists that sometimes 
operate under the assumption that people who are spiritual like are not educated so i i hear you on that um i have one last question um in the beginning you introduced yourself as the babalao of new york harlem um, it's a nickname. The, oh, okay the question i have is just are there any challenges that you want to share um that you faced you know practicing your faith practicing your religion um yeah the challenges that you face as uh, as a traditional practice, a practitioner is that the idea mm-hmm. of um, this idea of, of being guarded and not really wanting to expose your traditional practices to the general public for the purpose of being prejudged. Mm-hmm. And so this is why one of the things of me really exposing you appreciating that I expose that I'm just as normal as everyone else. And that I love mm-hmm. to have fun. I like to, I'm not trying to harm or hurt anyone. I am trying to live and, and be in harmony and synced with my ancestors and the ways of my ancestors and to be in sync with my divinities, uh, my Orisha, my Metanus, my, my, my Bosun, my, my, my Chi, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call the divine energies, but the divine yeah. energies as I see fit. I want to be left alone to, to be recognized as someone who has good character, who is mm. a, an outstanding uh, person of the community, who is a leader, who is, wants to be, wants better and good for his children. I want good children. You want good mm. children. You want money. I want money. I want a nice house. You want a nice, I want a nice car. When you, I want all the same thing. And so the idea there is usually that there's this sense that in the general uh, uh, people out in the, in the world that, oh, if you, if you are, you, you, you believe in African religion or culture, you are backwards. This idea of being backwards. Or that if you're, that you, oh, you're part of, or those people. And what are those people? Who knows what those people they're referring to? Um, you know, basically mm-hmm. what it means is that, look, be the lover of who you are because it is by, by no means that I can be anything other than I am. And I am what my mothers and fathers were. And I'm from them. And it's that energy and that force that has been able to bring me this far. And my life has grown and has been so much more rewarding. And I recognize that so many people in the diaspora, the last place that they want to go and visit is Africa. They say, oh, where are you going to go for? I want to go to China. I want to go to Korea. I want to go to Brazil. But I, I tell people that, look, have you ever considered maybe you want to spend one of your vacations in visiting a homeland? Maybe spend some time when you have free time spending and learning a different language and the different language you're learning is not Spanish, French, or Portuguese, and that it might be an African uh, language. You know, look in Nigeria. In Nigeria, there's 77 languages being spoken. I think maybe more, but I know for a fact that one of the, the writings or things that I've read is that there's 777 and how many different cultures of peoples are being represented. And so those things are now being lost by leaps and bounds, by just a few languages spoken. The morality of the people, the moral fabric of the people are is embedded within their language. And so here in the challenge here in, in the United States is really that you know that i have to be an african in a place that is not friendly to africans mm-hmm. i have to be a black person who is driving while black yesterday i was stopped by the police mm-hmm. and i laughed i was dressed in traditional clothes and inside <laughs> of my pocket um, 
in my pocket I had an identification because I'm I'm part of the clergy. I'm part of a chaplain. I've I've also go go to the hospitals and preach and pray for the for the, the sick, you know, and I go as a chaplain because I have to be identified as a chaplain. But I'm a I am an Orisha priest who's also a chaplain. I'm an Orisha priest who's also a minister. I'm an Orisha priest that is, you know, who is uh is who is willing to do whatever it takes to be part of the moral fabric as a leader of our people. Mm. That's the bottom line. And so the problem is is being being recognized as that. Mm. You know, oh where oh we we oh you are who? Oh okay, well can you stand over here? Why am I not being treated the same way any other Christian minister would be treated? An imam or uh, a, a rabbi. I'm just as proficient in my mm. tradition and just as steeped in the knowledge mm. of my tradition. And I should be identified as such. Thank you so much, Baba. Mm. So this was a very insightful conversation and, and we're really appreciative mm. of your time. Um, do you have any resource, you know, things that you want our listeners to read? Any recommendations for, you know, how to, if they, if they're interested in learning more about Yoruba traditional religion, African traditional religion, what resources do you recommend? Well, I have some. I have uh, some resources on my website, www.akunle.com. Mm. Okay. And um, mm. um, there's going to be a book list put up within the next couple weeks okay. of books that we're going to be able to refer because I I get that question so often. Mm. And I'm in the presence, I'm in the in presently writing a small book on really about just identifying what I call ABC Orisha. In other words, exposing, you know, ancestral religion ancestral worship, um, Orisha worship and practice, and who are the divinities? And I think I've been in, been really uh, encouraged by this conversation to then also maybe even take a look at some of the divinities of, uh, of the Igbo people, because that's also my lineage as well. And it would be very important that, you know, these things need to be known. And these things should be be able to be accessed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the issue is really one thing. People do a whole lot less reading these days, and they do a whole much. They do much more listening and watching videos and things, which they YouTube, <laughs> which is so. You know, so uh, question is: Should I put it in a book, or should I be able to expose it um, anyway? Uh, but all means are possible. I'm going to probably put it in a book. Mm-hmm. I want to also probably do a YouTube video or some type of radio show or something. This is so mm-hmm. important that people get to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, sir. This was lovely. Uh, ladies, Onyeka, Amayo, any final words, thoughts? Um, I mean, I think just in general, what you can take from this conversation to those of you who are listening is regardless of what religion that you choose to practice it's important that you um do research um about them um and and find ways to incorporate who you are your identity in in whatever faith that you choose to practice yeah Mm. this is if one final thought too is um have an open mind and you know don't be prejudiced so don't assume you know Mm what someone's religion entails don't assume you 
yeah, so just have an open mind, be willing to learn, be curious, and be respectful. That's very, very important. Be respectful of other people's religions, be respectful of their beliefs, and find a way to engage with somebody if you, if you're questioned, if you have questions or, you know, want to learn more, find a way to actually engage with, with people, not, not caricatures of people. Don't let, mm. don't let Nollywood or whatever media images be your only interaction with people of a different faith that, you know, you're not familiar with. That wonderful. was really great. <laughs> thank you, Baba. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Thank you for listening, our wonderful listeners. Yes. We can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. As always, you can find us at NYAC Podcast on Twitter. We are not your African, cli- not your African cliche on Facebook and shoot us an email at not your, not your African cliche at gmail.com. Um, yeah. And we'll put, links to the information that we discussed and read um, in the description. Alrighty. Bye.